0: Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Leadership Lounge. And today I have with me, yes, I'm Tove Paulsen, and I am um, sitting here in Denmark. And with me, I have Johan Alexanderson. Hey, Johan, and where are hey. you?
1: I am in Harpenden, in England.
0: Alexanderson, that sounds Swedish, is that true?
1: That's correct. I'm born and raised <laughs> yeah. in Sweden, and I lived there for 28 wonderful years. Now I've moved over towards America, but not all the way. <laughs>
0: okay. So uh, I have the privilege to work with Johan in Sweden, in us, for quite some years, and we were both on the same leadership team. So it's kind of fun to get to work together in this way. We'll see right. how we do. At least we can't fight too hard. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. So, um, today we have with us, Matt Rollins, and we are very excited about that. The topic for today is the transforming power of mentoring and coaching. And, uh, we have a master coach and mentor with us today. Um, here we are. Hey, Matt. Hi, nice to, uh,
2: <laughs> nice to join you guys. Nice yeah. Inv- involved. Where,
0: where are you, Matt?
2: I am in Singapore. So I'm uh, I'm in I'm in your history right now in a literal sense. I'm a oh, I'm ahead of you guys, aren't I? Now I'm in your future. That's right. I'm in your future. OK, okay. I'm six or eight hours ahead of you. So uh, it's ex- 10 o'clock here. So
0: excellent. And, 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 and significantly significant warm
1: the
2: future. Sorry. It, yes, it is warm. It's very warm. Uh, tropics. But right now, we're, it's the cool part of the year. Unless you lived here, you, you wouldn't know it's cool. But if you live here, you know it's a little bit cooler.
0: Right, okay. So I'd like to introduce something to you as well, Matt, because uh, we have something here in Europe called the European Leaders Learning Community. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a website, uh, it's a Facebook group, uh, and it's that's what this is a part as well, this Leadership yep. Lounge. Um, so we started these lounges in March uh, during lockdown. Well, many of us are still in lockdown, and interviewing uh, all kinds of different people um, on all kinds of different topics. Uh, and we will continue to do that. But this leadership community, uh, it is really, you know, focusing on Europe. Uh, we are just about a thousand. I had hoped we could reach a thousand, you wow. know, uh, for today members of European leaders. Um, It's a place where you can go for many types of um, resources. We have uh, the first week of the month, there's two articles that are being uh, released, and there's also two LDXs, and an LDX that's a short talk, about 10 minutes uh, on the topic of the month. Um, So we already have now quite a library of people, you know, and, and, and resources on the LDXs and great articles. Then the second week, of the month. That is this leadership lounge. The third week is a drop in discussion, but there's you have some again in sort of a studio, and, and people they can uh, also ask questions. And then finally, the fourth fourth month, that's a monthly roundup. Um. so yes, if since you're here, you're already part of this group, but we mm-hmm. really encourage you to uh, invite others um to yeah to attend and other leaders that could be new leaders that just emerged invite them to this group so they can be a part of this so yeah that's what that's what you're part of matt
2: great sounds great
0: yeah over to you johan
1: yes so before we start i just would like to introduce matt a little bit more so you so we know what we're dealing with and giving you very good reasons why you should listen to this beautiful beautiful man um, so, so Matt has spent 20 years working in the missions or working in missions in Asia and the in the and the Pacific. Um, and he also is, has sits on owns earned a PhD in leadership and communication. And right now, as you said, he's in Singapore and he is a CEO for of a marketing consulting company. And he also invest time in, in churches and in missions and doing consulting and, and other things. Yeah. And uh, for me personally, uh, I've met, met Matt a couple of times, not too yeah. many, but one of the first times was when I was just a, just a little boy in my early 20s. And it was my first year staffing in YWAM and Matt came and I was invited to listen to him and he did his teaching on tension. Uh, and how important tension is for our growth and in our lives. And I have built my whole discipleship ethos on on that teaching, and, and I've found it in, in Scripture and in, in my relationships. And it, it's been a, what do you say, Im, invaluable, I, I, nothing, one of the most important principles that I've had. So I'm very excited to have this time uh, together with Matt.
2: Oh, thanks, Johan. Um, I really yeah. appreciate that.
1: That's good. So I think as we're starting, since we both there's both mentoring and coaching in the title. If you could start us off, Matt, by just defining what's mentoring and what is coaching.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, I I, I looked up uh, uh, and I, uh, an official because for me it's it's just different styles of relationship. So when I looked it up, and it t- it tends to it tends to be different. People have kind of different um but from a very practical point um it says mentoring is a more informal association focused on building a two-way mutual beneficial relationship for a long-term career movement and coaching is a more structured uh if i read something it sounds absolutely i'll bore myself to death so let me let me just go back to um thoughts mentoring for me is um When you're in the same organization and you have the same experiences and you want to pass on life experiences and it's something that we share then you go into a mentoring mode if one of you is more in a ask questions pull out of the other person get them to be engaged in the process not provide answers then you're into more of a coaching process so so it can be both and and either or situations in that, but um, a lot of the work that I do, um, if I in this, is more around the coaching side um, with that. So if it, you know, you might have a if I just use in a marketplace sense language, you, or if I put it in a YWAM language, you might have a base leader who's going to mentor um, a group of young people or young leaders. That would be a mentoring relationship, but if I if he goes into a coaching relationship, or if she goes into a coaching relationship, then it's I ask questions, I help them to kind of work through it, I get into their world, and and help them to figure out what they want to do, and then how to own the process. So, for me, those are the uh, those are the distinctions um, that I that I would work with. Although I rarely um, think along those lines in regards in in very practical terms.
0: Great, thank you, Matt. Um, now, how on earth did you move from uh, from YRAM, well, you start still sort of part of yeah. YRAM, but, but, uh, but into this business um, yeah. coaching? Um, can you tell us about our, your journey just a little bit?
2: Yeah, well, a short version of it was when I was doing my graduate work, um, I was I was actually studying YWM um, as a, as looking at organizations, difficult conversations, and and looking at a model of, of difficult conversations within YWM. And um, I was working with Landa Cope, who has been a friend for many years. And when she was running the APCs, Advanced Principles of Communication, I would go in and teach for two weeks with her. And we would I would teach week on tension and leadership. And then we do a week of processing, and in that week of processing, we would kind of um, tag team, working with people and um, engaging people, and getting getting kind of refining, or for lack of a better word, kind of developing an arts in that sense of engaging people and helping figure out what their perspective was. Now, Landa took it from a perspective of uh, the 360 model in regards to communication. Um, I, I jumped from that into more of a coaching mode where uh i wasn't interested in a position um, as a communicator which is Landa's brilliance i was interested in uh, uh helping a person find their uh, their voice uh, their leadership and how to help them kind of walk into it so i i did that for i don't know maybe 10 15 years with landa um and then started to incorporate it more and more in working with. Um, people that I was working with. And then pretty soon, um, on, almost on any project that I'm working with now, um, I, I, I will engage people and ask them to um, work through, let's work through some of the hard issues that you bring to the to situation that we're in so that when we change, you can be involved and fully engaged in the change process. So so in a short version, that's it. When I moved to Singapore in 2005, I was with YWAM Kona I left in five and came here. So I've been here the last 15 years. And um, yeah, so I, I deal with tension. I deal with change. I deal with uh, conflict and the human side of leadership and dealing with difficult situations. And I, I have to say, I, I just thoroughly love it.
0: Fantastic. So in working now with businesses, I know that you also teach in the business school. Um, now, how is that different than coaching mentoring wirers for instance so within the church and being in this other sphere you could say yeah oh yeah. is it different
2: well you know um, there's a lot of a lot of people talk about differences and and from my perspective I, I suppose I would say there's really not much difference because what it what I'm trying to do is get down to the human issues. And I want to go beneath either the personality or culture or you know, the organizational dynamics. And I, I'm I'm trying to go down to the deeper heart issues that are human. And when you get down to the heart issues, there there's very little difference in, in people. People have the same basic dynamics. I'm afraid, or I'm frustrated, or I'm alone, or I'm angry, or I'm in pain um and and those things are common to us all and so a lot of the work that i do is just helping people get to the human issues um and 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 as funny as it sounds a lot of the work i do with with my work here in singapore is just helping to people engage humanity what does it mean to be human in a system that is high task orientated what does it mean to be human to have motions to get permission to motions what does it mean to Uh, talk about things at a heart level. And so um, that's a lot. And so when you get to those places, it really doesn't matter. I I have worked with, you know, I I use a rounded number, you know, maybe 100 different nationalities or ethnicities around the world over these years. And people are people. There's, there's, we have far more in common than we, we, when we get down to the heart issues, and that's that's really where I like kind of living and working. And so when I go into the work that I do, and as a facilitator, um, I don't really use the word teacher a lot of times because it's kind of a downloading of information. But I, I facilitate learning, and so I do that through conversations. I run I run learning groups, and um, you know I have to say, you guys, um, I meet and work with more people in. Um, a month in my normal work here, just all spectrums of, of life um, than I did in a year in my work with YWAM. So it's, I just love the marketplace. I love engaging people. I love talking about heart issues with them. And I like to, I use the language with them, even though, um, you know, some of them may not, um, many of them, well, I don't know, are Christian or not, but um, I use a language of a sacred space. So we're trying to create a sacred space. And and uh, they um, that resonates with people because they want a place where they can share their heart. I think um, talk at a heart level and to her, to be heard and not judged or fixed or solved or um, whatever the word we want to put in there. So yeah, yeah I, I just enjoy it.
0: Wow, thank you. It's, it's just so encouraging when uh, people also have been many years with Byram and then uh, actually, yeah work in the mainstream, world, if you could say like that. And then yeah. find a way to have a voice there as well. Um, yeah. That's super encouraging. Um, we have just finished the LDE. That's a leadership development encounter. Um, mm. And that's under this European leaders uh, learning community as well. So we had hundred participants from 40 different nations, I think. Wow. Just powerful, you know, on Zoom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in my little process group, there was a lawyer and, uh, and she was yes yeah, she's done her DTS and and so on quite some years ago she just wanted a bit of a refresher yeah and uh, she said the same thing I mean the leadership principles it's like they are not that different you know because it's it's to do with people yeah
2: um, yeah yeah very very well said yeah the people are people and they they want there's the basic issues that they want um, doesn't matter. You could go to a tribal group, and how they interpret respect is one thing. But to mm. be respected, yes. all of us want that. To be valued, to be heard, to have a place, to belong. I mean, those are things that that are not a, in a domain. Those are things that are in the heart of each human being. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's. Uh, and the, I mean, the fun thing is, you know, you you think if after all my years in with YWAM and missions, um. And you you think, well, what does this have to do with the marketplace? But really, a lot of the things that I learned in missions with working in the community and and those things was really just how to engage people. And I I found those incredibly helpful tools to be able to work with wherever I go. So, yeah, Yeah. it's it's really great fun.
0: So, Matt, you um, you mentioned about tension or well, Johan did. (laughs) Um, And um, I've also been a a victim of your question asking. (laughs) That is very powerful. Um, Both you and I, we have heard you teach about tension versus balance. Now balance sounds maybe a bit more like harmony or peace, um, but you seem to promote tension uh, over balance. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? What is so significant about tension?
2: Well, you know the <laughs> half of the work of dealing with of is leadership um, oh there's so many so many things I would like to say. Um, one of the orientations that I had to make in my own growth um, I can remember years ago I was um, running down the road, and um, there was to you know i i've been in missions for 10 years and gone back uh, my mom was dying of cancer and my syria and i were in oregon for a break and i was running down the road to get some exercise and there's a couple of y walking up the road and i was running down the road and i thought i don't want to run past them because i don't want to disappoint them and so but i didn't want to stop my run because um, i wanted the exercise so i'm stuck with the tension of do i stop and meet expectations do i continue and do this and so i was running towards them and i thought oh, i'll just so i did what i typically did my whole life as i turned around and ran the other way and when i turned around and ran the other way i had this for lack of a better word a divine sense at that moment and the words that came to me were simply this matt you're not running from them you're running from yourself now that was a that was a marker point for me that was that was a very significant event for me because what what i realized was the tension wasn't the problem out there. The tension was the problem in here. I was afraid of what tension would reveal in me that my own inadequacies, my own uh, limitations, my own fears, my own brokenness. And and that sent me on a journey for, you know, well, it's been, I don't know, 25, 30 years um, to start to go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to run from myself anymore. If God is who He says He is, and I genuinely love God. And if God is who He says He is, and Jesus has done what He says He has done, then I have nothing to fear inside of myself. And so, when I did that, and I started, then I, that opened up the door. I went back to school, and I started to study. And when I looked at difficult conversations, one of the major hurdles I had to change in my own thinking as I started to explore and look at it was our our fundamental view of tension is wrong, and um, and and I, I had I, I had to review tension and go tension isn't how do i say tension doesn't mean something is wrong so when i went back and again there's hours and hours of teaching and communication and great dialogue around this but that i mean if you go right back to the garden god let us so there's tension in the godhead and then god This is all before the fall. So then God takes a man and he rips a woman out of her. And then he says, now you guys put it back together. And this is before the fall. Talk about tension. So there's tension in the garden long before sin has entered it. And then we've got a tree and it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we've always had a knowledge economy that we're struggling with in this world. So God allows tension through a tree. And then he allows the serpent to come into the garden. And this is long before anybody, well, not long, but this is before Adam and Eve have made some very serious choices. And so God's view of tension is radically different than ours. Um, and, in, and in fact, his the very name, his very self-definition, uh, it has tension in it. Is he three or is he one? Um, so so there was a fundamental shift that I had to start to go back in, inside of me. And, and let me be the first to say, you guys, and I, I want to be really clear with this. I'm a coward at heart. I don't like tension. I, this is not... Oh, yeah, now I walk to where I to this day, I don't like tension. But what it gave me was freedom to be able to go, Okay, God's not afraid of tension. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid of tension. So I got to put my big boy pants on and I got to walk into a situation and I got to try to talk about it as best as I can. And Mm -hmm. I'm still in process. I'm still working it out. But for me, that's been a radical, radical uh, part of my leadership in this process. The tension, the difference, you know, that there's difference in um, two people and uh, and that creates tension and, and God loves diversity. So God's the author of tension. And I think there'll be tension in heaven personally, um, but I don't think it'll scare us because we'll have nothing to be afraid of. We'll walk <laughs> in and go, oh, what a great opportunity for God to show up. Well, what is God going to do now? Because this is going to be more exciting than before. So so there's an orientation that we have to shift. Uh, it's a huge one, but it has to begin within within me, within myself. And 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 so as I started to do that, that that then started me on this journey of saying, "Okay, God, help me to see tension from your perspective." And mm-hmm. what are the principles that you work with? So I have a model that I've developed over the years that I work with, and I write, and I do a devotional, and you know all kinds of different things. But really, the 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 kind of the That point that I'm always working with, trying to help people realize is for most leaders, um, those fulcrum points, those leverage points are how you deal with tension. And to the degree that you deal with tension, to that degree will the quality of your leadership and the effectiveness of your leadership in the the kingdom of God be held and maintained. Um, And that's both wonderful and terrifying, um, all at the same point um so without going any anything more you kind of you got to try to shut me up to over your so yeah
0: no this this is brilliant just one more question alongside this then um matt and that is like uh, what do we need to overcome in order to embrace tension you say you're so struggling with it in a sense you know that's well, bad news for me because you have worked on it for a long time
2: yeah i i think paul makes it really clear that that we are in process so there's the tension of being saved and working out our salvation so faith and work so is it are we is it faith or is it works and so when you start to really read the bible you realize that without a without a tension, without a, a, a for lack of a better word a biblical view of tension um you won't even be able to interpret the bible because if you think of it like a problem to be solved um, you're going to be confused because well is it faith well is it works well is it the future or is it the present tense am i saved or am i working out this salvation is it you know all of this all of these processes with it so so the so the, the essence of it is here's what i when i'm working with people here's here's 25 years of work in reduced into a very simple point and the point is simply this the point of tension is to learn how to show up with with minimum anxiety. Um, and, and I'm better at that. I'm much better at that. So so the, the goal is to be present in the midst of tension and to with minimum reaction. So the first thing God does is he shows up in the garden. When he's going to come and restore us, what does Jesus do? He shows up uh, in presence. So he's emptying himself. So there's, there's the discipline of... Um, dealing with tension is the discipline of being fully present in the midst of it without being reactive. And boy, is that tough. Um, Because uh, I get into a fight or flight or freeze mode. um, As a as a first reactive response. Uh, It's not evil. It's just limited. It's just um, yeah, the dynamics of that process.
1: That's great. Thank you. Love it. Preaching to my soul. This is so good. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, we, have a, we have one question here from, from the audience. Good. And uh, it's a common one because I talk about tension and I talk about the necessity of difficulty in our lives to grow significantly. And this is a question I get often, too, is that how can we make sure that tension doesn't rip us apart? At the when when is When is tension not helpful anymore? Or is it not tension anymore then by yeah. definition?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's if we if we did a bell curve, on the one side of the bell curve would be apathy on the other side of the bell curve would be stress, and the top of the bell curve would be tension. Um, and so you if you get too much tension, you dip over into stress, if you don't have enough tension in your life, you're on the apathetic side, or you're not engaged. And so a healthy level of tension, is needed in a life in order to keep us fully present in the process. And so, what what often happens, Joanne, and it's a great question, is the question isn't tension because you know when we use the language of either fall apart or break apart, what you're really tapping into is control. And what tension re- reveals uh, and cuts to the core of is my need as. Um, to be in control and what tension provokes us at the deepest places of our heart is um, math you're not in control and the illusion that you have you are in control i'm going to tear that down now let me let me let me just qualify that that the fruit of the holy spirit is self-control so there's a healthy part of self-control where i'm in control of myself by choice in the power of the holy spirit which we would call character Versus the fleshes need to be in control, which is rooted in power, which is going to be rooted in position, which is rooted in self-preservation. We are called to give our lives away. So the the very definition of leadership from a biblical, as far as I can figure out, um, is servant. And the, the one definition of a servant is they're the one person in the household that's not in control. Um, And so you're what you're really when you ask the question, you're really not asking about tension. You're asking about I'm terrified of what it's going to reveal if I if I really am honest and authentic and and show up in the midst of this thing. I I might lose it and people might see me in the wrong way. And so you've got fundamental things going on there, Johan, that is a that is it is a challenge for all of us um, that we you know, it's to learn to walk with a limp. It's 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 to learn the thorn in the flesh. It's to learn to to go. Okay, God, um, I die daily. There's a reason why Paul said he died daily. It's because there's this discipline of saying, I don't. I I want to be captured. I want to be a slave of love. I I want to be held in His presence, and I want to be authentic in that way. So, I think that's for me. When you ask that question, you want what the question is not. Uh, you know, about tension, the question is, um, it's going to get outside of my ability to control it. And that unspoken definition of leadership is they're always in control. Um, And I, I, um, there are moments when a leader um, cannot be in control. Um, And and go back to what um, Tovid asked a question earlier on this whole thing of tension and balance. And I, you can use balance in a couple of the word balance in a couple of different ways. But I, in the way we use it, um, oftentimes I don't believe balance is biblical. I think the, the biblical emphasis is on order. So what we actually are looking for is in um, a risk based order. So I, he, Paul says to have order in your community, but he never talks about balance. Balance minimizes strength, whereas order maximizes strength. Um, and, and so there's a risk in order and balance tends to minimize risk. And so um, I, I'm not a real strong proponent of a balanced life um, because that's what we're really saying is we want to remove all the tension. And then I don't think we're in a biblical position anymore. I think we're in a biblical position when we say, what's, what, do we, what do we structure ourselves around? What's the essence of our identity? How does this create an order? How do we express this order? as we go into the future in a, in a vision or a mission statement. Um, and then how do we negotiate through the tensions that it arises? I mean, if, so, yeah, that, uh, so, yeah, those are my thoughts.
1: <laughs> so good. And I would say I, I'm feeling the tension right now because <laughs> to move on to the next thing or gonna be because I want to, I want to ask you about control. I want to <laughs> ask you about emotions. So there are yeah. so many good things here that we could keep on digging for hours, but, yeah. I'm I'm going to give in to myself and move on to the next question because there are other things we want to have your wisdom on. And as I said in the beginning, you've written a couple of books. Uh could you just give one book that maybe you've written that has talked about tension in it for your sort of reference?
2: Well, I've, I I I've got a couple of books that I write. Um you know, the the best thing if people are interested in this, I just put out uh um an app with, I've written devotions for years around tension. So it, the app that you can use on a phone, actually, you can download it on a computer now as well, but it's called Broken Top. Um, it's a mountain in Oregon, but it also signifies that uh, leaders are dealing with broken tops. Um, so it's just called Broken Top, um, and it's a devotional app. And um, they can, that's got uh, two years worth of devotions dealing with tension and being present, and uh, anybody can get it. It's free. Um, You can find it at uh, Apple or Android or any of those. So I, you know, for my stuff, um, I've got a number of books. I write for the marketplace. I've written one on, um, I'm trying to deal with humility, uh, presence in the midst of tension, and then I've got some for the church as well. So I think there's uh, 16 or 17 books that I've, that I have out there. But the really kind of the place to start um, for people that are wrestling with okay, how do I look at this? Um, the devotions, it's 300 words. That's what I'm working towards on those. Um, they can download it, uh, get them thinking about it. Because a lot of this is, it's not just, it, what we're dealing with now is not information that people can download. We're talking about a muscle that has to be exercised and grown and, and developed. And so the, I wrote the, the devotions around uh, to help people um, who are wrestling with pain and, and struggle and leadership in the midst of tension and uncertainty and um, just the world that we live in um, in that process. So um, that's a that's a big one that I do. Uh, maybe what I can do is throw one of the books. I can give it to you guys if you guys got a format or something. Um, you can throw it out to people, and we can just kind of give it away. Uh, one of the books. I don't know which one yet. Um, I can see one of those, but maybe you if there's a place that, you know, in the in the system here, um, yeah. maybe that might maybe we could do something like that. But you know, those are some options.
1: Yeah. That would be great. Wonderful. That's very good. Thank you. So as we leaving tension behind while well, we never leave tension, we always walk in it, <laughs> otherwise we can't walk. Right. And so moving on to the next thing, it's, it's also a, so I work with DTS and I work with young leaders quite a bit and, and a lot of them. Uh, quite a few of them have asked me lately. Is that uh, how do how do I start with becoming a coach slash mentor and or, no. um, and also what might be some of the what are some of the key skills yeah. that, that you want to develop to become yeah. a coach, coach or a mentor?
2: Well, my, I'm I'm a bit of an unusual coach because I. I don't deal with technical expertise in my coaching. So I'm not interested in in helping you do structural issues or tighten your vision or, you know, budgets. I'm not interested in coaching any of those areas, and I, I won't do it. So the particular area that I coach in, as I said, deals with humans and and working with people. And so, you know, it's really probably fits in the category of a narrative in regards to a person's story and and. So the, the work that I do, and I, I would say if you're, you know, really interested in, in transformational power in regards to working with people, um, the first thing you got to do is you got to be willing to do your own stuff. you you got to be willing to go in and do your own hard work. you got to have conversations around um, elements of, of your own brokenness, elements of your strength. Um, and, and two of the most simple uh, tools that they're almost so simple as to be ridiculous um, is asking questions and listening. And I you know I go back when I teach on this that you know it's interesting that the first thing God does when He comes into the garden is he asks questions. And for me, that's one of the most profound moments that I know of in the Bible, outside of Jesus, is because here He knows there's going to be ripple effects through through humanity and the pain and the suffering. And the first thing he does when he walks into the garden is he asks three questions: Where are you? Who told you? And what have you done? So he's dealing with context, he's dealing with authority, and he's dealing with um, responsibility. And there's a divine order that he sets up in that structure. So the, but the the tool that he uses, he he, it's almost if in that very first moment of in our brokenness, he says, you know, you guys are going to have to go into learning mode, and you're going to have to relearn how to ask questions, and and I want you. Um, to be people who ask questions. I don't want you to lean on certainty. I want you to lean on relationship and I want you to lean on inquiry and and do this. And and then while you're doing this, listen, listen with your heart. And so if someone is interested in this, you know, in discipling and working with people, one of the keys that they've got to be able to do is they've got to be able to kind of step into their own life and own their own life. Because I have no right saying to someone else to do something that I haven't done. You can't take someone to a place that you haven't gone to. Um, we would love to, but it doesn't work that way in the kingdom. Um, we when, Where I bottom out, that's as far as I can take you. So if you're really going to do uh, transformation, you know, discipleship or some mentoring or get into a coaching role where you can work with, um, you know, leaders and, and, and be engaged in the process, then A, you've got to slow down and really own what's going on in your life. Now, remember, this is for my particular focus on coaching. Yeah. There are different coaches that will that will do different things that aren't about the heart issue. But anytime I'm working with a person, I always say, listen, we've got to do some heart work before. And, and I'm not talking about Christians. I'm just talking about people that I work with because humanity needs to deal with their heart. That is the fundamental issue. So so you know you got to be able to be in touch with yourself you got to be able to own your own feelings tension doesn't make you anything it just reveals what's inside of you um, to own those to be able to walk into conversations around that to listen to yourself and as i listen to myself i can understand other people better as i do that so you know if you just worked on listening and inquiry um You know, the couple others I would add is is values um, and um, help. You know, where are boundaries, and then and then communication. But but those are the those are the core things. And as I said, maybe one of the books I'll throw in there, um, "Walking Naked into the Land of Uncertainty" is a book that I wrote that has those my model in it that that they can uh, uh, that might help them uh, look at and explore this. more in line. So if you'll remi- remind me later, we can put it out for people who would like a copy of it.
1: That's great. Cool. So what I'm hearing is that if you want to really go deep with people, you need to ask God to make your life really difficult. Yeah. And you can walk through really strong hardships, so you can be relatable.
2: That's great. Yeah. Well, that's a that that's a, a terrifying way to say it, but but that's what um, if you're going to help broken people, you got to own your own brokenness, and that there's no yeah. shortcut. It doesn't. You don't, yeah. There's just no shortcut to that process.
1: That's great. So uh, I think that's good. I, I, I did a coaching course with Wolfgang and them, and then one of the the principles there is, is this. What do you say? Good good question. Rate is come comes out of a genuine interest in and yeah. learning to love people well. So you ask yeah. the question. Yeah. Um, but to love well vulnerability is is an important part and maybe to relate to that. Do you have any thoughts or what would you say? How does vulnerability play in, in coaching and and mentoring?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, uh, vulnerability is a really important word. I've been wrestling with humility these last years and, um, I'm trying to get it into the marketplace, trying to leverage and some of kind of the researchers in the marketplace are using the word humility. So I'm trying to bring in a biblical language for humility. Um, So so vulnerability has would have three parts to it. So humility. So Andrew Murray says sinner, saints, and created, but I can't use that that language in the marketplace. So the language I would use is finite, broken and gifted. So those the aspect of vulnerability has three pieces to it in humility. So I'm limited. So I don't know. And it's okay not to know I'm broken. Um, Yeah, I'm broken. I've got shadows. I've got issues going on in my life that I I need grace for. And then I've gifted a vulnerability. Sometimes the greatest gift of vulnerability is just to be your gift is to just uh, express your gift. in an authentic way that makes space for someone else. So vulnerability for me translated within a grid of humility would be, uh, it's okay to be limited. I don't know, and it's okay. It's okay to work, uh, w- walk with a limp. I'll use that language um, because I have a pieces in my life that I have to continually, not train, you don't train the flesh, you, you take it to the cross. Um, and then I have a gift. I, I bring a gift. And so vulnerability is, the combination of those three expressions in our life in a way um, that represents who God is as clearly as we can.
1: So good. Um, so another question that that's related to mentoring and coaching, uh, when it comes to the skill part, and and I run into this in in DTS too, but also another is is the is the question of confidentiality. Yeah, because it's this thing. I want to feel safe that I share with someone and that it yeah. won't be spread. But at the same time, authentic growth happens with others, and, and it it needs a bigger you need a bigger group and other people, and and it's it's always a tricky balance with with huh? yeah. how do I balance confidentiality and it's yeah fun. well
2: again I, I I wouldn't use the word balance but I know what you're trying to ask um so what I do is like I run online coaching groups um, and and I I think sometimes what we need is vulnerability within a group and learn to be able to speak within a you know a group usually about six is a good number but to practice being vulnerable in a group and sharing so this last year I've been running online groups where we practice um, sharing and talking about vulnerability and engaging each other and uh, and I, I I'm I'm amazed that when you hear someone else's heart how much it can heal your own heart or when you share and put words to it before a group it starts to give you a level of freedom and starts to put shame uh to chase it away. So but I I wouldn't do that. I I would never talk about it. So the goal is to create a safe place. And and I would I I would always preface it um by making sure everybody felt safe, by making sure that the parameters of the group were set, that we don't talk about what happens in this group, outside of this group, um, and that I, I work extra hard to make sure everybody who's present with me feels safe. Um, because it only takes one, one faux pas uh, where you know, confidentiality is is abused before people go. This is not safe, and and you know you can you can you can't make many mistakes when you're talking about uh, a genuinely safe place. So I'm I can be a bit fierce at times around safety when when if people aren't being safe because I it's such a high priority for the group that I'm working with in that process. So so you've got to kind of set up a, 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 an actionable agreement about what are our boundaries and what are we. what what makes safety and then in our sharing, if something is shared here, does it share outside of here? And it doesn't, and it shouldn't. Um, And if someone, if you're, you know, I I would be as direct as to say, if if someone is sharing something in confidence with you that you're sharing with someone else, then um, you're not modeling the heart of God. Um,
1: Yeah,
2: that's really good.
1: And uh, I think uh, the last one for for in this this section or question here, what what will be some pitfalls for coaches and mentors to look out for?
2: Well, well, you know, the funny thing is I don't I don't set us, I, I don't I don't think of coaching as a vocation. I just think of coaching as expressing who I am. So I, I, I sometimes I have a, a bit of a funny hat when it comes to coaching because coaching is a skill that people put on and put off, but I it's not the way I view coaching it's just the way God made me. I ask questions, I'm interested in heart issues, you know, so they would be the human issues that will get you into trouble can translate into coaching on that side. So when I'm, you know, when I'm working with coaching or if I'm in a coaching mode, I've got to figure out how to be authentic, how not to judge, how to be genuine and, and real and speak the truth and love to the situation. Um, I've got to be authentic and listening, in that process. So, so the genuine, genuine communication pitfalls, uh, don't say something uh, I don't mean, or, you know, or um, twist the truth, or imply or infer, or, you know, all of those are going to be related to the coaching side of things, because coaching is, in essence, communication, and creating a safe place. And remember, this is my I'm not talking about the broader spectrum. I'm just talking about mine. That When I'm working with someone, um, I I want them to know that in this relationship, you know, and and my coaching once, even though when the contractual side is done, for many of them, I maintain a relationship for, you know, sometimes for years um, where we we can write and talk to each other. Uh, I just got a note from a guy who moved to the U.S. and, I would work with him here in Singapore and, you know, he just he just it's natural for him to talk at a heart level with me. Um, and I value that. And I that's a really important part of the process. So. Yeah.
0: Good. Fantastic. Thank this you. is this is so good. And I feel the tension of uh, I feel like I want to take notes during this and it's kind of hard, you know, being, being a host here. Yeah. It's so good. Matt, um, I was thinking of a quote just as you were talking. Um, and this quote says, "Forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know before you learned it."
2: <laughs> oh, I like and,
0: that. Uh, yeah, I thought you would, um, because yeah, we we feel this tension often, also as leaders, that a sense of uh, all you need to have the answers. Yeah. And um, and the most freeing thing you can do in that yeah. in that setting is to just be able to say, "I don't know," you know, yeah, but right. I can try and find out, you know. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and you and don't have to be in control. The nice thing in the world that we live in is we don't know. We honestly don't know what is going to be happening in a year.
0: Um, yeah. And yeah, unfortunately,
2: you know, that should be freedom to us. It doesn't, but it should because it's like, well, okay, then I just get to be authentic and show up today and tomorrow and the next day. And then whatever I'm in, in that day, God will give me the grace for. It. And because I have a value set that is eternal, I can continue to walk into things irregardless because my value set won't change.
0: Exactly. We'll probably continue learning in the next life. I'm pretty sure yeah, about it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So here's another question for, for you. Well, it's probably no secret that that our mission, your mission, we are not or generally not world champions in having crucial conversations. Would you agree to that? And yeah. if so, <laughs> I knew you would. And if so, why do you think that is?
2: Oh, you know, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And YWAM has a great strength. We're a high task orientation we yeah. where we're focused on getting a job done and anything that slows that down uh, terrifies us. And so that that great strength turns into a weakness where um, the the the. Um, the challenge of slowing down, of reflection. Um, you know, I run into. It's not just YWAM. I run into this here in Singapore. Singapore is a meritocracy. We're defined by what we do. This is a part of the very essence of our being. The people who are drawn to YWAM are people who are drawn to who are action-oriented. I want to get stuff done. I don't have time for all this other soft skilled stuff. Just let's go out and save the world and get the. You know, real men go out and do evangelism. All this other stuff is for wimps. Um, but. I'm, but, you know, you, again, standing back, you, the, the culture of YWAM is a great strength, but all cultures have a weakness, and the weakness is we won't slow down. We won't ask the difficult questions at times. We won't kind of talk at a heart-to-heart level. I think we have moments where that happens, and those are very precious moments. But um, our, our strengths distract us. Um, and so I, I think part of it is recognizing when our strength serves us and when our strength sets on our brokenness. Um, then it becomes unhealthy, and it becomes a task orientation to prove. Uh, when it rests on humility, then it's an expression of God in us, but it's not got that that urgency to it um, that we like to kind of, that keeps us preoccupied. You know, you can tell if you're preoccupied with, with a task, if when you're silent, you start to get really antsy, you know you haven't resolved um, just being at peace within yourself, because it's you know, I will, God says, I will be exalted amongst the nations, I will be exalted in, in the earth, and he is going to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I I, I want to be sensitive to the tension and YWAM and that I mean, I have some views about that. But I have a deep, deep love for YWAM and the beauty and the strengths of us. Um, and I think, you know, a, a good discipline, um, that all organizations and all people have to learn is, um, how do we deal with the tensions? Where is it a strength? What did, my, you know, what did my family teach me? What's helpful about that? And what do I need to relearn in this process? Because it's it, it's a huge uh, issue for all humanity, not just YWEM, but for all people, all organizations and all issues.
0: Great, we, we actually have a question here from Ian and he's asking, um, do you have a good example of good examples of times you help someone move forward when they felt stuck like in ministry life and other and um, i guess that's uh, that's a crucial conversation there you know um can you give an example
2: everybody i every person i work with is stuck (laughs) 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 So, so so take your pick it doesn't matter i you know there's a friend whose 16-year-old son needs to have a conversation, uh, you know. So everybody, you, you, you might as well just think of it this way. Everybody you're dealing with is stuck in one way or another. And that doesn't mean they're evil. So Paul goes from the beginning of his ministry, he's the least of the apostles, the middle of the ministry is the least of the saints, and the end of his ministry is the worst of all sinners. Now, how did he go from the least of the apostles chosen or, you know, who should have been a, one of the group, to the worst of all sinners Well, really, it was just a, a deepening heart revelation of of his own heart and his desperate need to be saved from his own pharisaical righteousness so it, I, I, every ian it's a great question but but mm. um it presupposes um so if i just go to the question um, it presupposes that um a few of them are stuck. Um, there's nobody I'm dealing with either at an organizational level, at a team level, or at an individual level. It isn't stuck in some way. That's the nature of a broken world. Um, and so the, the, the work of listening, the work of, of helping someone, um, who is, um, Oh, I mean, I got notes of pages of people and note, cause I, um, I, I take notes when I, uh, and working with someone of um, you know someone who is comes you know. Sorry, I, I just have.
0: I, I can help you, Matt. Thank I can you. Help you. Thank you, <laughs> let's, let's let's just use me. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. We were, I was in, on another base, and uh, I was stuck. Yeah. You know, and um, I was very very close to hitting the ball, like very close and uh, and you happened to be on base that that week or weeks and i thought i i'm so stuck and I, it, it felt like i had just white noise in my forehead you yeah. know um, in a very tough situation because of certain circumstances yeah. and i asked to talk to you and you ask questions as you do you know <laughs> and then um, he says oh so hey what's going on you asked so I'm, I'm stuck. I said um, I um, I have white noise and I can't think. And you said, and when you can't think, what happens? Said, uh, it was like I'm I'm an ideas person. I will get ideas, and I had no ideas come for several several days. You know, it was just quiet. Yeah. And uh, and you said, and and what happens? And I thought I don't know. And I am not working. You know, not like working, but I am not functioning yeah and i couldn't i couldn't spit the word out it's like when i can't think i can't then then you said then you die i thought yes yes that's right then i die and i'm dying right now and you said okay this this is simple you need to get out of here like right now this week not next week Uh, if you wait until next week you will have somebody to come and pick you up and it will take take two years to be picked up, you can't do it yourself. But if you leave right now, you can probably pick yourself up, you know, it was like, OK. And it was actually what I needed to hear. You, yeah. you, you got me unstuck in a situation I couldn't think. Yeah. And you helped me to think, you know. Yeah, well, I, I don't I, know. If
2: I loved your honesty, Tove. And and, you know, we've been friends for many years. Um, but, the, you know, you, if you listen with your heart to people, with, with no judgment, and you hear, um, then you're not afraid of results. And I, I wasn't, I'm not afraid of, of walking into pain with a friend. I'm not afraid of entering into their lives. And, and I, I, I definitely would say if I said, you know, when I said that to you, I could be wrong. My point isn't to be prophetic or to be right. My point is to be human and to share life um, in that, and if God can use it, then all the more brilliant to it. So I love, I love that as an honest example, Tov.
0: Sure, you're so welcome. <laughs> I think you have a question, Johan. Yeah. Is that yeah.
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do we? I, we kind of touched on this earlier, like how to become a mentor or what some principles. But can anyone be a mentor or a coach? Sure. Certain personality
2: type well, there, that functions better with, you know. There's there's certain we could call there's certain kind of personalities are going to be more drawn to it than others, um, and so that you know it helps to have a certain makeup and a, you know in 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 some of the intelligence side, an intrapersonal or self awareness is an important piece, and some people are, are more naturally gifted with that than others, but but from my perspective. Um, if you're human, you can be a mentor. And if you're human, you can listen and you can ask questions. Um, and, and the beauty is kids model this in, in absolute simplicity. They're, they're not afraid of asking questions and they're listening. Um, you know, you, you can tell a kid because they're, when kids are being really kids, they're not missing anything. They're picking up the unspoken message. They're picking up the emotions. They're picking up everything. And they they may not even be consciously aware of it, but oh, they know exactly what's going on. And when there's fear in a family, they know it. And and so you know what? And in some ways, what we're really saying is going back to um, being childlike—not childish, but but what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be fully present and to listen? And, to be, and not be afraid of pain. I think that's another big thing for me is, um, I'm not afraid of, of, of pain. I, it's not like I want pain, but you can't share anything to me that would shock me so much that would cause me to judge you or try to reach, reach out and react to you in a way because I've heard, heard a lot of stuff um, and i am not afraid of what you can share and you can't share anything that would shock me and i and most of it i would discover in myself and i'm already aware of what a human is worth of there's a reason why jesus said he didn't entrust himself to humanity it's not that he didn't love them it's just he knew what was in them and so there's there is this place where where yeah some of us are more are better equipped um, there is a discipline to it um, and there is some work to do it but The basic skills of listening and asking questions, of having clear boundaries, of owning your values and uh, communicating—we all are called to do. That's just what discipleship is.
0: Yeah, that's right. Good. Well, Matt, we have a question. It might be a little bit of a tension question here, but you love tension, so um, we have warned you ahead of time. But in every leadership lounge, we always ask this question um, in order to learn. You know. Yeah. So. Could you tell us of a significant mistake you've done as a leader, um, that or in life, that yeah. we can learn from? Um,
2: yeah, I think I think the biggest one that I I learned, um, you know, when I was doing my research, when I was studying YWAM and I was looking at control, I had defaulted to a. Um, to my head. And academics, uh, unfortunately, pushes us to our head. And one of the things that I had to walk through uh, that was really painful for me was I had to not default from my head where I could try to be in control, but I had to try to default to my heart and to walk out of situation. And I won't, I can't go into the specifics of it, Um, of, of learning where at a heart level, I, I, Um, I didn't, I hadn't learned the ability to speak at a heart level, to speak in humility, to speak vulnerably, um, and, and defaulted and took sides and, um, you know, um, and got into trouble, Um, not morally. um, But the dynamics of it was, okay, how do I, and, and the interesting thing was that it was, it was probably one of the most significant things in my life as far as teaching me that um, I learned the pain of humanity and own limitations and how my need to be in control. And when I learned that about myself, it gave me far more empathy for other people. So I I, I had a default mode that said, I have to be in control. I have a default mode that's, you know, I kind of tucked it down and put it away and, and gone into academics and then walking through that where I had gone to my head and, and raised questions and, and, and within a missions context. Um, And I had to really kind of slow down and say, Okay, God, um, you have used this situation, and you have broken me. And I embrace that. And I own that in my life. And um, I, I think, again, that was a significant point in my, because I had finished my PhD which took me from an academic point of view to a human point of view that said, this is what all of us are terrified of, that, that we're, we're terrified of making mistakes and, and, and the accusation or being feeling like you know what you're doing. Um, and I, I had to just own that and go, okay, I, I get it now. I get what people are terrified of. I get why people are, are dominating, controlling, seeking power, because uh, it's terrifying. And, um, and I, you know, I went through a season of panic attacks, um, anxiety attacks, and all of the kind of emotional things where I finally just had to learn to say, Okay, God, um, I at a heart level, I have to let go. And I, I, I understand the human need, flesh's need to be in control. And it took me a couple of years of, of really some hard work, some painful hard work, to get to the place where I had to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm, this will give me, thank you for this. Thank you for this situation that I had to walk through um, that allowed me to um, trust you at a new level so that I could be empathetic. So that anytime I'm working with someone, I'm thinking, oh, I know your pain. Oh, I got your pain. I, I understand the terror of this and I bring no judgment and I'll walk with you through it. So I, um, I, I, as I said, I can't go into the specifics of it, but it was a a really painful situation where I just felt like someone had stabbed me. Um, But a good God, gracious, kind, loving uh, walked with me and and said, come on, but we're gonna do this. I'm gonna teach you through this and we're gonna learn. And I, I did, it was a, it was a, a life-saving event because it's really what opened the door for a lot of the work I now do with executives and, and people um, that are stuck. I understand stuckness um, in that process. So I'm not sure that's specific enough, but that'll have to kind of, it'll have to do. I think we're about out of time.
0: Yeah, that's oh, yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much.
1: That's so good. Maybe as we're going in for landing here then, what are maybe one or, or two books that you read in the past months or maybe in the past years, because it is so significant, that you could recommend to us to, to dive into, to grow ourselves?
2: Yeah, I was starting to think about that. Um, I think a really good book. It's not Christian. Um, it's Ronald Heifetz's book, Adaptive Leaders, where he's, he's work, looking with leaders dealing with um, values and how do we adapt to an uncertain world um that gave me some really good work um also um i can't think of the name of it um i was a psychiatrist um anyway i um oh, i'm embarrassed now because i've read it three or four times
0: um uh, google can take care of that yeah i should i should uh i'm looking adapt leaders,
2: adaptive leaders, his name is Heifetz. He's a Harvard professor, Ronald Heifetz, A-G-I-F-E-T-Z is 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 his work. He's got two or three books on adaptive leadership. That's a good book that I, you know, it's a thick it's a good book. It's it's not obviously a religious book, but it deals with the human dynamics and it gives you a a nice way to look at it. Yeah, so thanks, Mark, The Practice of Adaptive Leadership, Tools and Tactics for Changing. He's got two or three books out there all around adaptive leadership. You can find one of those in that process. Um, If you give me 30 seconds, I could look up on my leadership notes. Um, uh, Friedman. Um, Edwin Friedman is a great book, Uh, probably one of the best. It's called Failure of Nerve. Um and uh, I've I've I have read that over and over for years, just kind of soaking in it. Uh no books are perfect. You know, I always try to go back to the word and, and God's perspective and all of that, but those are a couple of really good books that um um Edwin Friedman um Failure of Nerve is the other one. So yeah, those would be two that I would recommend. Um putting getting your teeth into and reading slowly
0: beautiful thank you so much um i don't be I'd be lost our our uh, scribe here so i don't know if somebody can put it on then uh, in the chat but this has been so so good matt um good to see you as well yes um, and uh, just so rich really appreciate you taking the time i'm wondering if you should try and talk you into doing ldx like a TED talk maybe um, another time if um sure yeah yeah i'd love to um, do it
2: if i can help i would
0: love to you can certainly um i want to say to everyone as well that next month's theme that is building authentic community and um, and we have jose Lista as one of those doing the LDX, this like, little TED talk type thing. And uh, we have Johnny and Jan doing one as well. There'll be articles by Joachim Magnus that works in Oslo and Rune working in Romania. But we really want to highlight something we are very excited about, and that is uh, future-wise. Some of you have heard about it already. So February the 22nd, we will have a two hour online leadership summit called FutureWise, and uh, we will try and have this like four times a year. Um, there will be really top quality input uh, from from leaders also outside of our mission to speak into us. Uh, this time we have Patrick Dixon. Uh, he's a futurist. He's a forecaster. Um, and uh, he's also, um, well, he's top speaker, a top-notch speaker. You can, you can look him up. Online as well. He has a website called globalchains.com just to get to know him a little bit. He's one of the the most famous, well-known futurists. Um, So we are very lucky to have him. And uh, we will also have a Benedictine monk uh, that's going to come and share with us about being radical. And this word radical, it actually means literally to return to the roots. So in one way, we're both returning to the roots together with this monk. And then we are looking forward uh, into the future. What is the future of missions? What is the future um, of the church? Uh, how can we navigate in this field of the future? So uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, we are advertising it also both on uh, in this Facebook group of ours, but also online um, on the EELC um, website. So don't miss that and tell your other fellow YWAM leaders here in Europe. It's not that others they are welcome, um, like uh, should there be a leader from here and there, elsewhere in the world, you know, they are welcome, but we are not advertising it elsewhere. It is uh, We are looking at the European soil during this time. So I believe this is all for now. Thank you so much for, for watching. Thank you again, Matt. We are honored and good to work with you, Johan. Thank you.
2: It's great to see you, Tove and Johannes. Privileged to hang out for a bit. I just wish we could do it more. One, one of these trips, I'll get to Europe, and I'll I'd love to catch up with both of you.
0: Great. We will yeah, make probably. a fire and have a good chat. Nice. <laughs> so thank you. Bye for now.
2: Okay. See Bye. you guys.